We're doing a series, we're starting a new series uh, of teaching which is on Jesus the Christ and we're looking at a series of titles, if you like, um, attributes about Jesus. Jesus the Son of God, Jesus the Lamb of God, the Son of David, the, the, the Redeemer, the Saviour, etc. So today we're looking at Jesus the Son of God. And I want to start by asking you a question. It's about you, actually. First of all, put your hand up if you believe that you are a son of God or a child of God. That's good to know, isn't it? That's reassuring. (laughs) Second question is this. How do you know? If someone was to ask you, ah, you, you, believe, you're the, you believe you are a, a child of God, how do you know? He's told us so. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit convicts us, yeah. Affirmation, Affirmation. yeah. Revelation. Revelation, yeah. His word says so, amen. That's why he died. Why he died. <laughs> Come over here, amen. Jesus is the son of the living God. And there are loads of places in the scriptures that kind of testify to that. In fact, Dave just uh, gave us one just now. But we're not going to look at that. We're not going to look at the evidence for him as the son of God, but we're going to look at the evidence of him being the son of God through just one passage of scripture, which you'll find in Mark chapter 1. So if you go to Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, we're going to look at this this piece of scripture. Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, and when you get there, you'll notice immediately that it's the baptism of Jesus. And in this baptism of Jesus, three things are revealed. Just three markers reveal the sonship of Jesus. And those three things, I think, are important because they are three things that are also relevant to us. We also use these three things as important markers for our sonship, whether male or female, our sonship, if you like, to God. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you. I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So the passage of Scripture reveals three key markers that Jesus is the Son of God. Can you find them? In that passage, can you find the three markers, if you like, of his sonship? The Holy Spirit coming and being with him, remaining on him, absolutely. So the Holy Spirit in you is the proof that you are a child of God. The fact that you have the Spirit in you is absolute proof and guarantee, says Paul, that you are an inheritor of all that God has. Well, he has this intimacy with the Father. And also, he's obedient to the Father. And he has this continued presence of the Spirit 
we can find in that passage of scripture intimacy and evidence of obedience and evidence of the spirit, can't we? And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. The first thing that's really evident in the life of Jesus is he has an intimate relationship with the Father. It's the way that he talks about God as Father. The greatest revelation that Jesus has about God is not that he's all-powerful and all-present and he's the great creator of everything. The greatest revelation that he has is that he's a Father. But not an, an austere, aloof Father as the Jews might have known him. In fact, when Jesus talks about God as Father, it was a surprise to the Jewish authorities. They hardly ever referred God as Father in that sense. He was the Father of the Jews, the Father of the sons of Abraham, but never really as a Father. But when Jesus speaks of God, he even speaks of him as an intimate Father. He referred to him as Abba, Father. And the mark of his sonship was that he knew God intimately. And God knew him intimately. And that there was this depth of love that was just there. It was an instinctive love. It hadn't been demanded. It was just God's love in Jesus and Jesus' love for the Father. And often, in fact, in John's Gospel, Jesus says these words. He says, the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. And that's a testimony that he made about himself. And in fact, it's something I think we should do for ourselves as well. We should testify over ourselves that we are loved of the Father. It's fundamentally important. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Good Night, Mr. Tom. Anyone seen the film Good Night, Mr. Tom? Anybody read the book Good Night, Mr. Tom? No? One or two? Yes, one or two of you have. If you've seen the film, it's, it's getting a little bit older now. It stars the late John Thor as, um, as a kind of grumpy, cantankerous old Mr. Tom who lived in a village and didn't have any children or any family. And it's during the Second World War, and there's about a little boy called William who gets evacuated out of London to this little village and is looked after by Mr. Tom. And William comes from an abused background. And Mr. Tom isn't seen to be the perfect person to look after William. Um, and at no point does he represent himself as a father figure. But as the film goes on, they start to get closer and closer. And in fact, it becomes pretty obvious that in every shape and every way, Mr. Tom becomes a kind of father figure. And at the end of the film, William is learning to ride a bicycle. I don't know if you recall that moment. And he's riding the bike from the very top of the hill right the way down. And I, do you know, I cry. Every time I see that, I still cry that moment. <laughs> It's terrible, isn't it? But he's, he's at the top of the hill and he's kind of cycling all the way down the hill and um, hurtling down the hill. And Tom comes out of his cottage and he stands at the bottom of the hill and he comes screeching up to Tom. And the, and the film ends with William looking at Mr. Tom and saying, I did it, Dad. I did it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. It was just... It was so obvious um, in the film that Mr. Tom was William's father. He wasn't biologically his father. He wasn't ever 
demanding or made it a case that he should be his father. He never at one point said, you need to call me dad. But he evidenced that in his relationship with William. I love that bit at the end. I did it. I always think Jesus must have said that when he got home in the glory. I did it, Dad. I did it. I love that. One of the great things that we have as a child of God is to know God, not from afar, but as the intimate Abba Father who loves you with all of your heart, with all of his heart. And so the first marker, if you like, is that personal intimacy and connection with the Father. A voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. And Jesus says in John 5, verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. And in fact, that's what Jesus That was his qualification, wasn't it? It's quite interesting because when Jesus comes out of the water, God doesn't speak from heaven and say, this is my son who is wiser than everybody. He doesn't say, this is my son who has more knowledge and more power than anyone. He says, this is my son, and here's the qualifier, whom I love. Whom I love. And we can't do anything effectively within God's work until we have in our hearts a revelation that we are loved of God. That's why he said that from heaven, because he knows we need, we must have that revelation of love. And out of that love flows the next thing. You see, the obedience of Jesus is a love response. It's a love response. And when we are obedient to the Father, it's not because we, we feel we've got all these harsh rules and we fear him in case we say something wrong or do something wrong. It's because we want to, because we love him. It's a, it's a love response. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't know if you've ever... If you can recall that when you were younger, you imitated either mum or dad. I don't know if you've got any recollection of that. But when you were younger, you imitated mum or dad. She, yeah. Or if you were a parent, the child imitates you. Or you've seen uh, your child imitate you. Um, but it's a classic behavior pattern between parents and children. That children will imitate parents. They will join in with what parents do. I was listening to a story by Andy Kind, who's a minister. And he was talking about an example <laughs> about, where, about his wife having their, um, I think it was their, their third child at home. And they decided to have the baby at home um, in a birthing pool. And um, she went into labor really quickly, unexpectedly. And they, they, the, the midwives were on their way across Manchester. They lived in Manchester. And they're trying to get across Manchester from the hospital. And, um, and it was a really bad traffic, and they couldn't get, couldn't get behind. And um, so she was basically having the baby at home without any support apart from Andy Kind. And, um, and she was a nurse, so they had a, a, at least they had a handle on things um, as, as it was proceeding. But their six-year-old daughter at one point came down. Because mum's a nurse, she came down, and she stood in the front room um, where all, it was all going on, dressed in her nurse's outfit. 
I love that. It's just like, there's a crisis. Mum's a nurse. I know what I'll do. I'll go upstairs and I'll put my nurse's outfit on. <laughs> I'll come down and I'll do what mum does. <laughs> I'll be a nurse. <laughs> and, um, and eventually, they actually, he said that at the point where the baby was, they actually had the baby, um, the doorbell rang and the, the, um, and the six-year-old, was because they had their hands full, went and opened the door. And the two midwives, as they were standing outside the door, were looking at this little, little girl below, <laughs> dressed as a nurse, <laughs> thinking probably, God, the nursing support here is quite young. And, um, and then she looked at them and she said, are you the midwives? And they said, yes, we're the midwives. And she said, good, my work here is done. <laughs> it's a lovely story. But I think it just tells us, doesn't it? It shows us that... If you are a child, you naturally want to get involved in the parents' work. And that's really what Jesus does. He joins in constantly with the work of the Father. This is what he says in John 10. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy, speaking to the Jewish authorities? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of of my father. Notice how he says that. In fact, he says that a lot through the scriptures. Not his works. He says, I do the works of my father. And if we are the children of God, we just want to be like our father. And we want to join in with his works. We want to join his work and do what he does and be part of that. And you notice that when we have the intimacy of the Father, we then start to find ways in which we can begin to join in with his work. It comes out of the intimacy. And then out of that obedience and out of that working with him comes the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Notice that the third marker is that just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the Spirit remains on him. The Spirit of God remains on him. And he's able then to go out into the wilderness and obey the Father continuously and reject the temptations of the enemy. I don't know, have you, has anybody ever had a bird land on their arm or hand? Have you ever had a, you've been holding a bird? Yeah, you can put a bird, they're quite, actually their, their feet can be quite painful actually. But um, you ever get a bird on, your, on the back of your hand like that? And you have to be really careful so that there's no sudden movement, otherwise it'll fly off. And if you're going to move, you have to walk very, very much aware of the bird. So you're moving and walking with a sensitivity, almost a continuous sensitivity to the bird. Jesus had an ongoing, continuous sensitivity to the Spirit. And as the Spirit abides with him, he's able to move in the things of the Spirit. 
And the more that he knows the love of God, the more that he, he gets involved in the work of the Father, the more the Spirit starts to move and work with him. He says in John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me. Look at that. Jesus, I don't know if you notice through John's gospel, is so aware of the Father's love. It's, it's right there in the center of his core. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my commands and remain in in his love. He stays in step with the Father, and he stays connected with the Spirit. And there are lots of other passages of the Scriptures that we can go through that speak about the divinity of Jesus, but those three things are relevant to us too. That through intimacy and obedience and being willing to join in with what the Father is doing, and by being a receiver of his Holy Spirit, we all of us, all of us are the children of God. So let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you that Jesus has gone before us to show us the way. And that right at the very core of his being was his love for and knowledge of being loved by you, his heavenly Father. We pray, Lord, that that would be the fuel within us, the engine that, that gets everything else moving. That because we are so conscious of being loved of you, that makes us whole. And it makes us want to enter into all that you're doing. For we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.